0: Welcome everybody to this event. Uh, we're really excited to have Michael Bloomberg uh, share with us some of his perspectives and point of view on install base and uh, the value of the install base and how to really capture it. I've known Michael for many years now. Uh, as we all know, uh, the, the, the world of install base and people who really care about this in industrial manufacturing is relatively small. And I've had the good fortune of knowing and working with Michael now for many years here. And as we've had multiple conversations over the last few months, specifically related to this topic, I thought it might be interesting to hear from Michael directly as to what he's seeing and hearing uh, from the people he works with, from the people he consults with. He is not just an advisor and consultant to many companies, uh, industrial companies in the U.S. and uh, in Europe, but he also has been a practitioner, having been CMO for a software company that deals in this industrial uh, software space as well and on top of that Michael shared with me some interesting information that he's been kind of conducting some surveys on the side in terms of what people are thinking about what the pain points are vis-a-vis so I thought you know what this might be a perfect uh, opportunity for us to bring, bring Michael in here, give us an opportunity to share his insights with everybody else and so therefore with uh, with uh, without further ado Michael welcome and thanks for taking the time today to share your knowledge and perspective with the rest of the gang here and over to you. So uh, let's let's, uh, turn this mic over to you. Thanks, Michael.
1: Uh, Thank you, Vivek. It's really an honor, a privilege to be here. Let me just advance the slide here. So uh, we've got a great topic today. It's a topic that I'm very passionate about. I know Vivek's very passionate about. I'm sure many of you are very passionate about, and that's unlocking the value of the industrial installed base. What I'd like to start off with is a poll question. the question is, are you focused on either service revenue growth or driving service as an independent profit center? We hear so much discussion in the trade press and, and from analysts and software vet, other software vendors about this topic. There was a study done by WBR uh, last year where they had identified that 58% of the, of the response are focused on either one of these issues. What I'm really interested in is the audience today. Uh, where do you fall out? So, Uh, DJ, if you could show the poll question, please. So here we are, so are you either focused on service revenue growth or driving service as a profit center? So if you're one of these, just say yes. If it's neither of them, then it's neither. And of course it's neither. If you're focused on something else like driving, only driving costs, and not increasing revenue or running it as a profit center, then you would be in neither. Just take a few minutes, think about where we are and where we're heading as uh, service leaders, whether we're driving re- revenue growth or trying to drive an independent profit center for services. So maybe now we can see the results. Okay, great. So uh, a majority of you indicate that you're focused on service revenue growth. Growth. Um, smaller percentage, 21% saying you're driving services in an independent profit center. I love to hear that. That's also something I'm passionate about and I've done a lot of work with helping companies move from either a cost center to a profit center or from a revenue center to a strategic business unit or a profit center. Some of you said neither, so I I guess you're here because you're interested in the topic and maybe you're thinking about uh, moving into one of these directions in the future. So we can move on then, we'll close the poll out. Move on to the next slide. So, as I mentioned before, we hear so much in the trade press and at industry conferences and from analysts, and even the big consulting firms like McKinsey and Deloitte about the growth potential in the aftermarket. I'm sure many of you have seen the research like I have that the average operating margin on services is can be 2.5 times higher than that of product sales. That many OEMs generate 40 to 50 percent, at least half of their margins from a- aftermarket services, and that high-performing OEMs have 80% or more of their installed base under a service contract. As I alluded to before, 58% of service leaders are focused on either leading service revenue growth or driving services a profit center. Yet, what we see, what I see, what Vivek sees, and I'm sure some of you in this audience, some of you are also consultants and analysts, that People are struggling. Companies are struggling. And you look at this data and you might wonder, well, where is it coming from? Is it just one product line that's doing that well or one division within a, a Fortune 1000 company that's performing well, very well? P- people are struggling. Companies are struggling to increase revenue, to scale, to get exponential growth. So that leads us to our next poll question. And our poll question is, are you facing any challenges in growing your company's aftermarket service revenue? we're going to, let's bring up the poll question. And by challenges, I mean, you know, are you facing challenges in increasing your part sales? Are you increasing, uh, excuse me, increasing challenges in terms of increasing your service contract rate or renewal rate or getting people to buy subscriptions? Uh, Challenges that maybe you don't know who are the right people to sell to, or you don't have enough insight or information to determine whether, why they they should buy or why they're not. So. that's a challenge for you. If you have a challenge then the answer is yes and and things are high flying. there's no issue at all. you're just kind of here because you had an hour to spend. Uh, you're no. So let's see what the answers are. I'm sure you're here to for that too to unsolve un- these challenges. So as I thought, 90% of, the, uh, of 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 you say that you are facing challenges. So um, let's close the screen close the poll, rather. And uh, we'll move on to the next. I'm sorry, I'm having little problems with this slide moving. All right, so question is, why do companies stop, uh, face challenges? Well, first of all, most of what we know about running a business, I, I'd say if you're um, over 45, maybe, maybe that's That's just my guess, if you're over 45, over 40, most of what you were learning, learned in business school was about products, how to manufacture, market and sell a product, not about how to manufacture and develop, market and sell a service. And it really, it takes a different mindset when you're uh, trying to generate service revenue growth versus a product. And I'll share some some examples. We also know that leaders need to consider a host of variables in planning, managing, and executing the growth objectives when it comes to services. And, and it's complex. And it requires access to good install-based data. That's critical. Problem for many people is that install-based data is not easily accessible. And as we know, data is important because data equals currency in all businesses and especially in a service business. So, What I wanna do is I wanna share you a comparison between a product business and a service business. So this first half of the chart is the theory of the firm. It was a theory that was put in place like in the late 19th century by an economist called Ricardo to help us understand uh, how, how does a manufacturing business operate? What are the economics? So in this model, this product theory of the firm, there's one engine of production the product production engine and it manufactures goods. That's the reality that the marketplace sees. And in exchange for those goods, there's a payment that's made. And that becomes the finance function of the company. So we've got product production engine and we have a finance function. And one of the other interesting things about a product company is you can inventory, you can stockpile goods. If if there's not enough demand, you can put your, your products on the shelf or in anticipation of future, future demand, you can make more products than you need and put them on the shelf. And lastly, in a product theory of the firm, there's two inputs of the production. There's labor, there's people, and then there's material. Now let's look at the difference between a, the service theory of the firm, firm. Now I like to take a little credit for this because uh, the person who came up with this chart is actually my late father, Donald Blumberg. And he actually founded the consulting firm that I work for. And he uh, wrote and authored a number of books on how to build and grow a service business. So he came up with this theory of the firm, he used to call it the Blumberg theory of the firm since he came up with it. But regardless uh, of what's it called, it's different, different than the product firm. So in the service theory of the firm, there's not one engine production, there's two. So the first one is the service production engine right here. And that service production engine is making available the units of service. And what are those units of service? Uh, they are uh, a field engineer being, um, the field engineer being dispatched to the customer site. It's the spare part being shipped to the customer or showing up with the technician. It's the call center, the technical support people. That's the unit of service. And that's the reality that the marketplace buys. But there's something else going on. Companies, your customers are buying perception. The perception they're buying is the defined capability of service. So those of you that are really doing a bang up job in marketing and selling your services, you've probably really been able to define your value proposition, your entitlements and your coverages and your value add. So that would be things like they're buying 24, hour by seven response uh, coverage. They're buying a four-hour response time. They're buying 99.9% uptime. And to do that, to make that defined capability of service available and allow your customers to buy the perception, you have to have another production engine in service, and that's the capability to serve. In other words, you have to have the capability. You have to be able to plan and forecast your requirements and, and send them out when you need them. So to do that, you, you need not two inputs, but three. You need labor, you need material, and you need data. So that's really the point here, is there's, so, there's data that's required to do an effective job in unlocking value from your install base. Without that data, you, you, you are very, very limited. Now, you might say to me, hey, Michael, isn't there data in a product firm? And I say, yes, but. Yes, but until a couple years ago. And a couple to a couple years ago, maybe a decade ago, where manufacturing companies went through their servitization journey, data was used as a control mechanism, it was used for accounting purposes. Now we know data helps us plan, forecast, understand, get insight, make hypotheses, test those hypotheses. That's what the data does. And it's particularly extremely important in service. In fact, it always was important in service.
0: Excellent. Well, listen, Michael, this was extremely helpful. Thank you very much. Uh, the slides about the survey questions were insightful, especially to us in terms of trying to understand what's really happening. And for those of you from the phone who joined in during a lunch hour or other times, uh, really, especially in the evening and some of you calling from Europe, thank you for your time today. So good night, uh, good night, good evening in Europe and the rest of the world and uh, have a good rest of the day in the U.S. for those of us who are calling from the U.S. Uh, again, Michael, thank you very much from uh, all of us. It's at pleasure. Title. Michael's you. contact information is here, info and title if you need information, and uh, we'll all be in touch soon. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.